first verse together. Oh, I look back on history. I see a mighty God unveiled, proving over and over that His word can never fail. But I can't keep on dwelling on some past memories. morning. God bless you, saints. Welcome to church. We're happy to have each of you here with us. Let's just turn the screen number 646, if we could. Old hymn we haven't sung in a little while. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Let's sing it together. Oh, redeemed how I love to proclaim
need is this morning. It's all in that name of Jesus. There's no name like that name of Jesus. Every demon has to bow before the name of Jesus. If you need freedom, there's a better life. If you need saving, he's a prison-shaking Savior. There's healing in that name. There's deliverance in that name of Jesus. Oh, speak that name this morning. Speak the name of Jesus. Put it on your lips. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I love the name of Jesus. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. We worship you this morning. Hallelujah, no other name like the name of Jesus. Blessed be your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to prepare to go to prayer at this time. Just as we do, let's sing There's Power in the Name of Jesus. In the key of D, if we could. Amen, brothers, if you would like to come prepare for the morning offering. We do have a number of prayer requests that we want to just remember before the saints this morning. We want to remember Brother Steve and Sister Lillian Myers. There's been an evacuation up at Hudson's Hope due to the fire, and they weren't even able to return home. And we're just asking that God will preserve their house and the people there, and that the Lord would just be with them during this time. Also, our sister Violet Law is asking we would please pray for her grandson. He will be having a bone marrow transplant in the next two weeks, and that his body would accept it, and there'd be no complications. It's a very, sometimes we just read these, that's a very traumatic thing to go through for anyone, especially as a child. So we just ask that the Holy Spirit would overshadow that young man and that the Lord would just be with him and the family and have his hand upon him. Also, there's a prayer request from Sister Denise for a woman by the name of Shirley Kushner for colon cancer. Amen. Do we fear cancer? No, we don't fear that demon of cancer. We stand before it. We pray, God, have your way, but we're praying for healing. We believe for that. We're commanded to pray and to believe for healing. So let's just have these words on our lips as we're going to prepare to go to prayer. I'm going to ask if our brother Tim Dodd would actually come and open the service for us. Let's sing, There is Power in the Name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus.
blessed Heavenly Father. We believe that with all of our hearts. There is power in the name. There is power in the blood. Lord, we're reminded that your prophet told us when we pray, even as we are praying right now, you're not seeing us, you're seeing the blood. And it has the very effect as Jesus Christ himself praying, oh God. For the church becomes the blood of Jesus Christ by the Spirit. And we lift our voice unto you, Lord, in faith tonight. If there's somebody here tonight that the devil's lying to, Lord, there's somebody here today that the devil's tricked and said, you've, you've made a mistake, you've sinned away. But Lord, they can repent even now and put it under the blood. And their prayers are heard. And you are on the scene to meet their needs. Everyone can have victory. You are the chain breaker. You're the way maker. You're the one that gives peace. You're the one that gives joy. You're the one that lifts up the downtrodden. You are the one that smites the head of the serpent, oh God. Lord, we're remembering these requests before you this morning. The bone marrow transplant. Lord, you are our bone marrow. You are the one that gives us life. And Lord, as the doctors try to do the natural for the young man, may your hand be upon the situation and upon his body. May healing virtue come into that body. And may the young man raise up. And Lord, may he be in the full strength of a young man, we pray. We bear him before you, O God. We remember our dear sister Lillian and brother Steve, Lord, in their situation. Lord, may you just change the wind and drive the fires away from Hudson Hope. And Lord, may you give them the victory over this situation. Our sister Denise is remembering her friend, Lord. Cancer. Lord, we're naming cancer before you because cancer is your enemy. And Lord, you are the mighty conqueror. You are the victorious one. Every devil was defeated at Calvary. If there be any sin, let it be forgiven, O oh God. And let healing virtue come to that situation. Lord, we give ourselves to you this morning. Brother Michael is going to bring the word this morning. But we're not looking to Brother Michael. We're looking to you, Lord. Touch our hearts. As we heard on Wednesday night, even one sentence can bring a mighty victory in a life, oh God. We invite you, Lord, to have the preeminence this morning. We thank you for everyone that is here. We thank you for everyone that's on the internet, wherever they might be. Lord, be with our pastor, Brother Biscoll, and his dear wife. Lord, may you strengthen them, Lord. May they have strength all the days of their life, we pray. We're asking your blessing upon them. Even those that couldn't be here, we commit into your hands. We ask now, Father, as we give this offering to you, may it be pleasing to you. As, may you accept it as worship, Lord, as we offer what little we can into a God that has the cattle on a thousand hills. But Lord, you saw the two mites of the widow. And Lord, you spoke well of her, and may you speak well of us this morning. As we do what we can, as you've laid it upon our heart, we give this service to you now. We love you, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may have your seats. Isn't he wonderful? Amen. We're so blessed. 
be in this atmosphere this morning. Amen. We do want to welcome all those who are visiting with us. We have several we want to make mention of. I saw our sister Marielle was here, Funk, from Quebec. God bless you. Sister Jess's mom, God bless you. Nice to have you here with us. Also, Sister Rebecca Storm, all the way from Germany. God bless you. Nice to have you here with us as well. And then our brother Abel wanted us to be sure that we greeted his co-worker, Manuel Cadena. Welcome. Nice to have you here. Anyone else? If we don't recognize you, we are happy to have you here with us this morning. We just trust that you'll be blessed in the service. I think I saw Sister Violet's sister was here also. God bless you. Nice. We want to be sure we recognize you as well. Nice to have you here with us. We do have a very special announcement this morning. Maybe we could just have that be ready. Our brother Anthony and Sister Rosie Frey are very thankful to welcome Adeline Grace Frey, born September 6, 2022, 5 pounds, 11 ounces, 18 inches. Mama and baby are doing well. Word is that daddy's still recovering, but God is good. Amen. God bless you, Brother Anthony, Sister Rosie. I'm just grateful my son is going to have a huge graduating class at this rate. This is wonderful. It's been a busy year. Goodness. Amen. We're going to invite our brother Michael to come at this time and speak the word to us. And why don't we just sing, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me, if we could sing that together. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer. I love the lyrics to this song. Amen. As brother Michael comes now. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast
confession this morning uh, bring that verse up for me well I have it right in front of me with every breath I long to follow Jesus everything that's in me nothing held back I'm gonna follow him amen with the inhale and the exhale it's all for him amen amen and when this race is complete oh it's just around the bend still my lips shall repeat yet not I nothing I did just him in me and in you amen god bless you this morning it's sure good to see you i was sitting standing in the back room there i was singing chain breaker with you oh my i was loving it he's my chain breaker i haven't been able to sing it seems like forever we were away for a little while but it's sure good to worship i tell you there's something in a believer that just wants to worship (laughs) you say i got to get back to be able to lift my voice and join with the saints and sing, he's my chain breaker. He's my way maker. Amen. Glory. We're going to have church this morning. Yes, sir. Next week, just a couple little announcements here. We'll have prayer for the children next Sunday. 
So everybody at school started, I know, this week, but we'll have prayer with everyone. We'll do that next Sunday. If you have that, keep that on your heart. We'll also have family prayer meeting next Monday. So not tomorrow, but next Monday, we'll have family prayer meeting as well. You know, I, I was pondering just prayer. You know, even as we are, we just do that. We just have prayer for the children and those going back to school and all of that. You know, I wonder if we could just have a peek if God would roll back the realm a little bit and and give us a, a, a glimpse into the eternities as maybe as we would stand for prayer as we do each year and see really the impact of that as God starts dispatching his angels down. He says, okay, now you take care of that one. You watch over there. And they start setting the order. The legions of the angels would be coming down as they set in array as you go out to battle another year. You don't say, oh, it's having prayer. No, we're saying, Lord, put a hedge about us. Amen. We just don't do that as tradition. We're asking him to be with us each step of the way this year. Uh, also going to have young people's, put that on your calendar for September 23rd. And uh, we're going to plan for, as we best we can, the third Friday of each month would be the, uh, the time that we like to do that. And, but this, so this will be September 23rd. We'll have young people's here. I'll be at the, uh, we've been holding that in the school recently. So that'll be where that is uh, indeed. I bring greetings from Brother David Mayer and the assembly there. We were able to spend some time with him. We had a wonderful time together. Uh, he's, Brother David, he's like family. He's pretty much like family here to the church. So it's just really a little extension. But they send their greetings to everybody here and say, God bless you, be with you. And had a little break there with them. And we're back in the saddle. <laughs> Boy, the saddle was uh, immediately hard the moment I got in it. <laughs> That's okay. They have some really cushy saddles out there. If you've ever been in the cowboy store, apparently some of us ride a bit more of a leather-bound one. It's okay. I'd like to sing, maybe before we turn to the Word, I, I just enjoy the song. I do want to sing Believe for it. And uh, we can stand as we sing that. We turn to the Word. This is a song that is a little anthem for me. I love it. They say this mountain can't be moved. Mm. No. They say. Well, that's what they say. But my God says differently. Amen. They say these chains, as we sang, will never break. That's what they say. But my God says something different. Why do we sing that together this morning as we turn to the word? You help me out. All right, let us not be a special. They say this mountain can be moved. They say these chains will But they don't know you like we do. Oh, and there is power in your name. We've heard that there is no way through. We've heard the tide will.
follow this morning indeed as believers of this gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, that next verse says you said it. We believe it. Lord, that's our cry, our heart this morning. Is Lord, if we could just say to you, we believe your word. Lord, through the ages, Lord, many have fallen away. And Lord, question this and question that. But Lord, we this morning, I pray are a 100% group of believers in this building that can say we believe. We might not understand it all, but we believe it all. And Lord, you said it, so we believe it this morning. Lord, I pray you would take your word. You'd break it, Lord, to the people. Lord, they would receive it as they have confessed it with their lips that you are the chain breaker. You're the miracle maker. Lord, you are the deliverer as you were with Moses and the children of Israel. Put back the waves of the Red Sea this morning. Lord, whatever the need is, I pray, they would present it before you and just say, Lord, I believe this morning that you can meet my cry this very hour. So we commit this service and all that is transpired and will, Lord, be said into your hands in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. He said it. Amen. Let's turn to our Bibles this morning. Isaiah 50. Thank you, musicians. I was preparing in a bit of a different direction for most of the weekend, and I couldn't really shake to go to this thought. I actually took it in Switzerland, and I generally just, once it's preached, it's, <laughs> it's preached. But uh, Lord, help me this morning. Maybe somebody is in need today. Isaiah 50, verse 5. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. Man, I'm so glad he's opened mine ear. Amen. Amen. And I'm not rebellious. I haven't turned around, but I've ran to him. I gave my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid my fate, hid not my face from shame and spitting and prophesying of Jesus. For the Lord God will help me, therefore... Shall I not be confounded? Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. He is near that justifieth me. Who will contend with me? My, I love this verse. He is near that justifieth me. Isn't that beautiful? Amplified says, he who declares me is right near. (laughs) Glory. It says, who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near me. Again, who will dare to contend with me? It's what another translation says. Let let us stand up to each other. Who is my adversary? Let him approach me. Amen. He knew who was by his side. And when you have Lord Jesus standing near you, say, who's my adversary? Amen. If God be for us, who can stand against us? Verse 9, behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that shall condemn me? Lo, they shall wax old as a garment. Moth shall eat them up. Amen. Let's turn to Luke 9, 51. Luke 
Sister Sheila, I was looking for Brother Peter this morning, tell him I was, had a hankering for his specials. Pass that message on for me. <laughs> Verse 51, and it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Amen. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. Man, the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may have your seats this morning. Can I relax like already? I know it's Sunday morning, but that's what's worse. It's Sunday morning. I'm used to just good old-fashioned Wednesday. Amen. Well, I'm going to just take a little thought this morning. Uh, face set like flint. It's just been something that's been on my heart. I've pondered it for a while now, and I just pray that it would be a little blessing to you. Face set like flint. You know, we humans, we're, we're interesting. We're, we're, uh, we have a, a certain nature, a certain drive inside of us that is, is unique from the other species that are on the planet. And, uh, you know, they... We'll sometimes go, not sometimes, many times, we'll go beyond really the imaginable or what we should be doing for a certain level of gain. You know, we, we'll strive, you know, and sometimes uh, question really, was it worth it per se? But, you know, nature on a whole, it, it, it has a different um, level of drive per se. They'll, they'll go to a certain limit. You know, uh, if you've ever seen... Uh, you watch bears, like a, male, like a couple male bears as they're in maybe a season for a mating season of such. And these, these male bears, they'll, they'll stand there with each other as they come against each other. And they're, you know, they're, they're combating for who is obviously the biggest and the greatest. And, and, uh, but they'll, 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 I won't do it because I'm no bear and nor do I want to look like a fool up here. But, uh, you know, they have their big mouths and their snouts open real wide. And they stand up on their two feet and they get pretty tall. And especially like a grizzly or something like that or a polar bear. And, and they'll have their gaping mouth open, and they're kind of just roaring, and I won't even imitate that because that would be way off the grid. And, uh, and, and they're trying to scare the other one. Right? right? Thank you, Brother Richard. <laughs> he knows these things. And they're trying to prove that I've got, I've, I've got everything I need to beat you. I've got it all, and, and so he just starts to roar and gnarl and, and, you know, get real close, and he bends his head a little bit like he's going to go in for the kill, but he's just, you know, not quite there, but he's, he's showing that he's ready. Anybody ever seen that? Thank you. Yeah, we've seen that in many different, in nature, and different animals, because they're actually, they're not willing to put their life on the line unless really, really necessary. Nature does that. It's just not worth it. <laughs> you know, there's few things that are worth it to them. And showing that they're the biggest and, and, and best is, is really just right there. And sometimes they will. You know, just someone tips over the edge and then it's game on. But really, other than that, or maybe food, and they're, they're extremely, uh, they're going to starve to death, really a matter of life and death, that's when nature will put it all on the line. That's when nature puts it all on the line. And, and, and then, they'll, you know, as those two bears, they really scrap it out. But humans, we're a little different. <laughs> we're just a tad different than that. Apparently, we really don't have that threshold. It's not life or death only, but it can be really anything. Humans really put it, put it on the line and go to extremes for really minimum. Really? You don't know what I'm talking about? 
You know, many of you would know way back, not too long ago, there was this, uh, you know, this whole series called Fear Factor. Who knows what that is? Don't even have to put your head up. <laughs> and they would do some terrible things. They'd be willing to do terrible things for $50,000. You say, well, that's a lot of money. But when, they, when you see what they were willing to do, you say, you're insane. And all of nature would look at them and say, you're insane. And you're the top of the chain? I don't know. So, you know, people, they're willing to even disgusting things. But if you actually go into one person, they're willing to be trapped into a coffin, buried in a coffin, and then their partner had to dig them out in a certain period of time. Really? And your partner's not even a ditch digger, not even a hole digger. I mean, it's one thing if they're power pole diggers, but not so in this one case. But this, humans are willing to do the insane for such small gain. Yeah. You know, I'll give you 20 bucks. You know, all these challenges that go over the internet, you know, this challenge, that challenge, you know, eat a spoonful of cinnamon and die, pretty much. Don't do it. For what? You know, for what? What are people, why are they doing it? That's the human species. And so they go, they're, they're willing to go to these limits Really for the smallest amount, whether it's for a little bit of money, maybe a little popularity. That's really what most of it's for. Right nowadays, it's just so you can get your picture, you know, with as many hits as you can. And so they do the worst of things. It's because they're convinced that it's worthwhile. Right? They're convinced. They're convinced that it's, you know, why not? People will fall. They'll, they'll look for a selfie and die because they felt that that was worth worth their time, worth to go to the edge. You wouldn't believe how many people have died taking selfies. It's a real deal. Just go beyond the fence line. Just go be, I just need to get the best picture and take a step back. You don't think it happens. It happens a lot. It's terrible for the most minimal thing because apparently it's worth it. I'm convinced that I need to do that. And so that's what, where humanity is. And they assess that it's worth giving my all for something very, very small. And they've actually set their face like a flint. They've put their face towards something. and said, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. Because it's worth it. You know, in the scripture, they use flint. Flint is super hard. It's actually way up there on the scale of, of, of hardness, just under diamond by a little bit, uh, a few, few numbers on the scale. And so in the scripture, it's saying, I've set my face like a flint just it, with such a hardness, with such a, which, with such a uh, I got no quit in me, I've got no stop I've set, I'm so determined, and that's what this, the, the line means. I've set my face like a flint, and so someone becomes so convinced, they become so firmly believing in the truth of something, and so therefore they, they're willing to put it all on the line. But Brother Branham says, you know, he says, God got a people ready. He says, better convinced in 10 days than we can get them in 10 years. Speaking of the upper room, he says, when our seminaries come out, they're still not convinced, because they have had tradition injected into them. But when they waited on God for 10 days, they certainly convinced then. He says, certainly convinced. Some of them at Pentecost couldn't even write their own name. But they were convinced it was God. Amen? And so therefore their faces were set like a flint. Amen? They were so convinced, Brother Brown says, that he was all they needed. Amen? They didn't need anything else. 
Amen. He says, we haven't come to this place yet, uh-huh. He goes, they were convinced they didn't need education. They didn't need no fellowship card. They knew they were Abraham's seed, and God is able to perform what he promised to do. I'd say at that, point, at that moment, when the Holy Spirit came down in the upper room, they were all in after that. They were immediately convinced, this is God. I don't need to question it anymore. I don't got to wonder in my mind, was this really him? At that moment, it was all in, and their faces were set like flint on the word of God. Amen? And you need to be thoroughly convinced before you sell out to something. If you're just a little halfway, you ain't, you ain't gonna, you're not going to give it all. You say, it's not really worth it. It's just not worth me, you know, putting, putting my everything into it if you don't actually really believe and are convinced that it's true. And so I wonder how many Christians these days really actually aren't convinced because they haven't had an experience. And so therefore, the reason why their life is only half-baked or a half-masked Christian life is because they're not totally convinced that Christ is the only one they need. But when you get so convinced, like they did in the upper room, that he is the only true God. He's the one that can fill me and save me. He's the one who's my deliverer. And he alone is who I'll serve. When you are convinced like that, your walk is an all-in walk. And you will know it. And so will those around you. Amen. People go all in. They're convinced that their sports team or their sports drive or their desire for business, their desire for fashion... They believe in it, and so they go all in, and you can see it all over their life. They'll do everything for it, do everything they can to achieve the end they desire, whatever they want to do. But I pray this morning that you just check in your heart say, Lord, I'm going to be all in today. I want a con- fully convinced experience. Brother Brown preached convinced and then concerned. But you know, I'm going to, there's another fella that's convinced in what he's doing. And that's the devil himself. He's convinced of what he's, his objective. And he is indeed willing, willing to do whatever it takes to derail you. So I'm telling you this morning, the reason why you need to be all in, the reason why you need to know that you and your God have a personal walk because your adversary, the devil, is all in in what he's trying to achieve. He's not holding Zippo back against you. So I would recommend you have a walk with God so that he can do whatever it takes. Amen? Satan will go to the very edge, the very extent, the very maximum he isn't gonna, he, he's not a halfway person, I'll tell you that. Just check out what he's done through time. He isn't holding something back. He's given everything he's got to try and upset God's plan. And so as we would go in, in a very uh, easy or, or an ex, uh, account in the scripture that would, would be very um, familiar to you would be in the Job, as Satan would have came and spoke to God. I still always marvel when I read that. There was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. Can you imagine? And the Lord said to Satan, Whence comest thou? My. I just, I, I just try and visual, visualize this, this account. And Satan answered to the Lord and said, Well, from going to and fro, fro over in the earth and walking up and down. So Satan's been walking around. He's been looking around, checking out all the different aspects of the earth. And obviously Job was high on the, on the list because this is who comes up in the conversation. And so J- Satan had been watching Job. Satan's watching you. <laughs> I've been going to and fro, 
looking at God's people, and Job's caught his eye. Well, you don't think Satan's walking to and fro? And I sure hope you catch his eye. (laughs) You kind of want to. I sure hope we're on his radar. Because if you're not, you're obviously not not a problem to him. May we be on his radar. May we get up in the morning and Satan's like, oh dear, they're back up again. I got to deal with these ones again. They're on my radar. Let's fill his radar with, with our walk with God. Amen? So the Lord said to Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? There is none like him on earth, perfect, upright, one that fear God. And Satan said to the Lord, well, yeah, doth Job fear God for naught? Hast thou put a hedge about him and about his house and about all he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land? Of course, you've done everything you can for Job. He's been blessed, and his hand, his work, he's prosperous, and his substances increase. But I tell you, if you take your hand from him, and you just step back a little bit, and touch all that he hath, he'll curse you to your face. Imagine the challenge that the devil is giving to God. Imagine that. Like he doesn't know that God doesn't know all things. He does know all things. And here's Satan saying, yeah, but if you do this, he's going to curse you. And the Lord said, Behold, all that he hath is in thine power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. And so Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Can you imagine Satan saying, I've got this now. Just you watch. Just you wait. Everything is now in my control. You know what I, what I love about this? Brother Bram says, now notice. Oh, he says, oh, I love this. God, knowing the heart, Job had only one way. That's through fellowship, through the shedding of the blood. He had talked to God. He knowed that he was. God had confidence in Job because he had fellowship with Job. Can you imagine Satan saying he's going to curse you to your face? And God is sitting back there saying, "Mm -mm. (laughs) do as you feel. I'll give you all the range you need up into his life because God knew I've actually had fellowship with Job. Me and Job, we've had some communion together. I just was just with him actually just recently. This is in God's mind as Satan doesn't know. And he's like, I just had fellowship with Job. And he just was talking to me about his his struggles and and his desires. He was just telling me how much he loved me. And and I was speaking back to him and telling him, I love you too, Job. You keep my commandments and you're holding fast to my word. I just want to bless you. And he communed with him. He had fellowship with Job. And so God knew, sorry, devil, I've had fellowship with Job. I know his walk. I know his desires. I know his struggles. I know it all because he's talking to me. He's fellowshipping with me. And because of that, I have full confidence, full confidence in his walk. So do what you want. I'll give you all the bandwidth you need. But I know Job came to this revelation, but God already knew. Job ain't going to curse me for nothing. Amen. Oh, he says, oh God, Brother Branham says, may the Branham Tabernacle see that today, that the only way God can have confidence in you is not because you do something. Not because you do something amazing or with your faith or do something, but when you have fellowship. Fellowship. How important is Fellowship. Fellowship with him. Oh, what blessed, sweet communion. Jesus is a friend of mine. 
That's the most important. Can you imagine if Job didn't have fellowship and there was no confidence? It would be a totally different story. But Job had conf- God had confidence in Job because of a walk with God. Amen. Amen. So Satan, he says, wonderful. So he got to work. Satan didn't take any time. He didn't, uh, he, didn't, he didn't need a whole lot of time to figure out what to do. So here he comes, and the messenger came to Job, and oxen were plowing, as the scripture says, and they were feeding. And the Sabians fell upon them and took them all away. This is what the messenger is saying to Job. Messenger number one. And here he comes. He's speaking now to Job, saying, oh my goodness, I was plowing with the oxen, and the asses were feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them all away, and they've slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I'm the only one. I alone am the only one to tell you. You know, who's read this recently? Nobody. Well, all right. You know what the next verse says? It says, while he was yet speaking... While he was yet speaking, and I've always been amazed at this, because Job is sitting there, maybe at the, at the doorway of his tent, and he's sitting maybe on, his little, on a little chair or something like that, or a stool, and you know, it was just an, another normal day, just woke up, you know, everything's, you know, day by day, the Lord has blessed him, all is wonderful, but something changed. He didn't know, but something changed. Everything that Satan could do was now getting poured out on Job. He just woke up in the morning. You wake up in the morning like, my goodness, what's going wrong? Well, it could be a Job moment. Job, God and the devil had a conversation, and God says, do what you need to do, because I'm going to prove to you I have confidence in them. And this was the morning that Job had. He was just sitting, and suddenly everything was going wrong. And so here he's now trying to take in, oh my goodness, all my oxen and, and all my asses, they're all gone. The Sabians, but they haven't come and they haven't come to, to hurt us or, or to fight with us. Oh my, and he, no, he's just trying to deal with that. And the, the last words are coming out of the servant's mouth. And so he would have been saying, and I only, and suddenly another servant comes running up. And he's trying to get out what, you know, the first one out of his mouth. And the other one comes and says, oh, Job, Job, the fire of God has fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them. And I only am escaped. And he is also saying, I only, as the other one. And another servant is barging into, the, into his tent area there. And he says, oh, Job. Job, I don't know what these two are here for, but I got some important news. He says, oh, the Chaldeans have made out three bands and fell upon your camels and carried them away. And I'm, I'm and slain the servants by the edge of the sword, and I only am escaped. I don't know what your problem is, but mine's incredible. Job is trying to take it all in. Uh, Sabians, uh, camels, oxen, uh, all my servants. And while he's yet speaking, he thought his news was important. The next servant came in and said, oh, you, you, I don't know what your, your issues looks like. There's a gathering here, but I got some important news, Job. Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And behold, a great wind came right from out of nowhere. It just blew through the, from the wilderness and smote the corners of the home. And all the young men, and they're dead. And I only am escaped. One, two, three, four. Job swimming. What is going on? It's because Satan was doing everything he could. Everything. God didn't say, yeah, 
you can do anything you want up and to his life. And Satan's like, well, okay, I'll, uh, I'll just go halfway. I'll just take care of his camels or maybe just his oxen. No, no, no. Satan said, all right, and went all the way to the very maximum. And he didn't wait and delay it. It was just like, bam, 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 bam. Take that. This is how Satan was working. And Job rose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. <laughs> Glory. God, we are Job's. We're of the same caliber as Job, I'd say, because we're, of the, we're children of God. And in those moments, if you have fellowship with God, it's not, it's not Job had a different type of fellowship. You have fellowship with God. God will have confidence in you because you are communing with him. And whether or not the devil is, is doing halfway or all the way, God has full confidence in your response. And our response may be, oh God, I worship you. You are the king of glory. What did he say? He says, and he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked I return. God is given. God taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That can only come out of a relationship with God. You can't have that response. You cannot have what that man took and be like, well, blessed be the name of the Lord. No, no, no. That came because there was a walk with God. It came, I can tell you, it would probably, I would believe it just came out of a, just a burst from Job. He emotionally completely wrecked. Really wrecked. How do you process all that? But something inside Job, because he had fellowship, because he had a personal walk with Almighty God, something inside of him just started to well up. Oh God, I don't know what's going on, but something is welling up. He said, oh, naked came I, naked I go. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job sinned not. Amen. Nor charged God foolishly. Can you imagine? The devil. You know how upset he must have been? He said, come on. I poured it on him. I didn't even delay. I gave everything I got. And still, still, seriously. You know why? You know why? Because God just drew a line. He says, all right, devil. You can go to there. And so the devil was immediately there. Immediately, if you read your scripture, he was there. He didn't delay. He didn't take time and saunter his way to the line. No, he was immediately at the line. But you know what? He couldn't take one big toenail across the line. He can't take a move across where God has placed him. You say, oh, what am I going through? God knows what you're going through. He knows exactly what you can handle. Scripture states that. And he'll never allow the enemy to go past it even a millimeter. This might be your breaking point here, and God sets the line. Because he knows. He says, uh-uh. Sorry, devil. I just, I just fellowship with them. I just had a sweet hour of prayer with that sister. So here you go. Go to there. But you can't go any further. Amen. That should put confidence in your God. 
Because he's got your back. <laughs> he knows exactly what you can handle. So he says, all right, devil, I'll give you all you need. Except pass the line. You know what's beautiful? <laughs> it's never. The devil's best is never enough. <laughs> the devil's best it's never actually enough. And when I was writing some notes down, I thought, that is, he must have the most wickedest complex. The I'm not good enough complex. The devil has that one. So if he tries to throw that on you, it's because he has it himself. So don't take his problem. He is just not good enough. God placed that one there. Everything he does, I mean, good grief, he should have said back from Job and said, well, why do I even try? But he still does, just to build back up on his complex. I'm sure he's fired more demons from the job. They said, really, you couldn't do it? No, they just, they just withstood me. You're fired. Next one. Well, I, I couldn't get them to go there. I tempted him, I tempted him, but they just wouldn't go. You're fired. He fired so many because he cannot make it happen because he can only go so far. It's not good enough. 2 Corinthians, it says, and it's been spoke on, and I love the scripture, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled. Brother Murphy spoke on this so incredibly on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down but not destroyed. Amen. Why? Because he just can't get all the way. It's never good enough to take a son or daughter of God and take them into the wretchedness. God will hold him back to your limit. Why? Can you be troubled? You're going to be troubled. Job was troubled. Are you going to be distraught? Are you going to be perplexed? Oh God, why is this happening? I don't understand it. Can you have perplexing times? Oh yeah, you can. Are you going to be persecuted? Mm-hmm. He was persecuted. He bore stripes. He bore scorn. He bore shame. Will you? Yes, you can. Cast down? Maybe. You're going to feel like you're just completely down. Barely feeling you can get up the next day. So distraught. But the scripture says, yet not distressed, but not despair, but not forsaken, but not destroyed. He's going to push against the line. Push against the line. You're cast down. You're perplexed. You're troubled. But yes, but I'm not destroyed. I'm not in despair. Because he's got me in his hand. I have communion with my God. I'm like Job. I have fellowship with my Jesus. Amen. Satan. Another time in scripture. Tried to put all the fury of hell onto one man. And here was a man named Legion. How it started, I don't know. But Satan started to lay it on. Again, he ain't going to hold it back. Everything. He's going to do everything that he can do. And he started to lay it on him. And demon after demon started to wrap Legion. And if I visualized it, as I did in Switzerland, 
I was just visualizing what Legion would have looked like in the supernatural realm. We'd have seen a man tearing at himself and chains and all of that, but in a different place. If you can imagine, chain after chain would have been placed on him. Demon after demon started to just wrap around him. As, as the devil just started throwing it and started to wrap and bind him with chains of darkness. And so bit by bit, all you would see after a little while is the devil saying, I got some more. Another demon here, another demon there, another issue there. You just start wrapping him. And all you would have seen is this huge wrapped ball of chain. And somewhere, somewhere in there was Legion. And the devil was saying, you're going to be my example. I've thrown everything I can, and nothing, nothing will deliver him. Impossible. And Satan thought that he had finally been good enough to defeat God. And here Legion was now amongst the tombs, hurting himself, and all of these things, breaking things. Man couldn't contain him, and, and he, was, he was Satan's you know, model. That's what I can do. He could point to all of his demons. See what I can do? That's my best. That's my best. You know your Bible. But just one day, just one day, a little man stepped out of a boat. He stepped out of a boat. He'd just gone through a storm. He just calmed it. And he steps on the shore. And Satan is like, uh-huh. That was the best I got. What happened? He came running up and fell down at the feet of Jesus and started to worship. Yeah. Satan's, what's going on? Everything that I've done, my best is what's what's happening? It, it was all falling apart. And right there, in just a matter of a few words and a short span of time, Jesus said, what did he say? Oh, he just said a couple little words. In Lazarus, he said, loose him. The demons, he told the flea. He just uttered a couple little words. A couple little words. And the brain, the chain started to break. One by one, if you could let, step back in that realm, chain after chain started to break off. The noise of it would have been deafening as everything started to fall apart. And the power that the devil thought he had, the best that he could do, started to break apart at the spoken word of Almighty God. All that God had to do was just speak and loose him from the power of the enemy. And the chain started to break away. And everything started to fall away. And there was legion in his right mind. Because God spoke. You might have, you might say, well, I'm in big, I have some problems. My son is in chains. My daughter's in chains. I've got an issue. But at the word of God, if it can take a legion, if it can take legion, who is Satan's picture of what he can do, it was never and will never be good enough. Never good enough for the word of God. God will speak whether across this pulpit or across some other pulpit or when you're reading your Bible in the morning and the word of God just speaks to you, that alone is enough to break every bit that the devil can do. Amen. Satan's fury is never good enough. 
never good enough. He will bluff you. He'll bluff you to try and tell you it's good enough. But God has armed you with enough in here to show you that it's never good enough. And that's why he's got a bad, bad day every day because he's got to live with the complex that I'm never good enough. Give it to him. Feed his complex every day. You know, if Satan does his best and gives it all, every bit of it, so convinced, he sets his face like flint before you, so does God. God's going to do his and everything. God ain't holding nothing back either. If Satan's given it all, so is our Lord. Amen? But Abraham says he was so concerned that he came from heaven. Give up heaven. Came down here on earth and became born in a manured stable. Wait, this is God's best. Think about it. Satan, his best is a whole different story. Wait, God's giving his best here in a manured stable of bleeding cattle, not even with clothes, not a place to lay his head, not a tomb to be buried, smitten, stricken the way he was. He was concerned enough, and God so loved the world till he give his only begotten son. Amen. Love constrained him. Amen, God, by his sovereign grace, foreordained, spoke your word, your life into existence before the world was ever formed. And by his infinite mind, knowed you'd be in the final end. He says, then grace constrained him. Love constrained him to project sovereign grace to the earth, to make a provision to save you. If he's seen you desired to be saved, he's seen you desired to be saved. So then, therefore, love constrained him to, through his love, his great attributes would not permit him to do nothing else. Amen. He says, to make a way of escape, he must do it. Glory. He must do it. And so God had to then say, I'm going to give my everything. He, He gave everything. What he gave was himself. Amen. He, gave, he didn't hold anything back. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send some other, somebody in his place. He couldn't, and he knew that. And so love constrained him. He said, I must give it all. I must set my face like flint and give my everything. I'm going to give them my everything. And so as the scripture said, he set his face steadfastly. Because you could say, well, I'm just going to give it all. All right. That's easier said than done. That can be easier said than done. And Jesus, as we open in Scripture in Luke, set his face steadfastly. And here we go through those moments of time. The Jews were looking for a king. They were looking for someone to overthrow Rome. They were looking for the Messiah to come and reign and, and get rid of this domination and set up a kingdom And here they saw that the Messiah, some were seeing all the miracles and wonders, said, surely this could be the one. He's going to set up his kingdom here. He's going to overthrow Rome. Some thought this. This wasn't the case. But there was a pressure there. That was bubbling through. You can imagine there was a zealots and all of this that was happening at the time. Oh, there was one of the things. Hosanna! Hosanna! You know, the palms were waving. But it wasn't his purpose. 
It wasn't his purpose to overthrow an earthly realm. And he set his face to the cross. Said there, Spurgeon said there had been hundreds of thousands of cases in which men's characters appeared to be opening like a rose. Oh, things were, they were their, their character was, was, was blooming. But he says that the worm of wealth was gnawing at the root. And air rose could fully expand and the flood and flood the air with his perfume. And so he's speaking here how many people have gone through time and it looks like they, they, they were on the right course and their character is blooming. But because something was, was said or, or wealth or popularity or something, it detracted them off the pathway and the air, the, the perfume could emit from their life. And here as Jesus was all, the, you can imagine there would have been a lot of people and it was a very a time, and, but God set his eyes on the cross. It didn't matter. I'm not setting my kingdom up here. I'm not, I'm not looking to that. I've got a different purpose. And so he kept his eyes steadfastly like a flint. He says, I've got to give it all. And Satan came down and says, mm, you want power? You want power? Just worship me a little. It's not that hard. Just worship me and it's all the kingdom of the earth is yours. But his purpose was too strong. So, mm-mm. Oh, devil. My compassion for my people is too intense to yield to the tempter. I was, I'm not going to voluntarily. I didn't leave the throne room of glory and the royalties of heaven and strip myself of all this just to take it in a different way. I must go to the cross. Amen? He couldn't be bribed of his purpose. No, 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 sir. He set his face like flint on the cross. This is the process of giving everything. Friends even tried to persuade him. Matthew, from that time forth, Jesus began to show his disciples how he must go into Jerusalem, suffer many things, and be killed and be raised again on the third day. Jesus told his disciples this in Matthew 16. And Peter took him and says, oh, and began to rebuke him. Imagine this, Peter rebuking God rebuking the Lord Jesus right to his face, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. It's not happening. You're not going to die. You're not, you're not going to go through all this. It's not, it's not. And I, I know Peter's heart was, was uh, pure, I'm sure, but the response, as we all know, he turned and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. How many, how many in the form of maybe a loved one even, Peter was pretty close to Jesus. Peter was pretty close to Jesus. And you have someone that is really dear to you start to tell you something maybe. Inside you know I have a direction I must go. But a loved one starts to say, no, 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 that's not the right way to go. And deters somebody from really the path they should take. Beware. His face was set steadfast on the will of God. You make sure you know the will of God for your life, not someone else's idea of what it should be. No, 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 Lord, be it far from you. You'll never go there. He says, get behind me, Satan. Maybe it comes down where it's just you and you alone, and you and God. You know God's path for you. And God said, I don't know. Step aside. I have my eyes set on the purpose I came for. And day by day, scripture by scripture, he set his eyes steadfastly on the cross. Can you imagine? You know, as humans, here God is coming to die 
for you and me. And all of the different things that people, blasphemer, Beelzebub, and all of these things, and here he's coming to die for them. You know, if you're here to do, if you're doing something for somebody, and they're just tearing 10 strips off you every day, you're like, forget that. Why am I going to do that for you? Careful now. You live in human flesh. But that's not Christ. They tore strips off of him. But he says it's for them. I have come. He didn't let any of that get his eyes off of what he came to do. But these were all small trials, really. That's when he started to come to the Garden of Gethsemane. And the drops of sweat, like blood, started to pour from his brow. Even as he would go to prayer, and Peter and the disciples were praying. He says, you know, would you pray with me a little while? And they couldn't even do that. And he's all three times. Would you just pray for me a little while? And they fall asleep. And even his closest ones couldn't even spend a little bit of time as he agonized over what he must do. Sometimes what you must do, it's agonizing. It's agonizing. Lord, I, you, you know. And he says, oh God, if this cup could pass from me, but not my will. And he agonized in the garden. Like I said, doing everything it took, easier said than done. This isn't an easy walk, saints. It's not an easy walk. It wasn't an easy walk for our Lord Jesus. But he was showing us what it takes. He says, I'm doing it for you, Abraham. And he set his face to the cross and felt the sorrow. But he says, I am resolved to achieve the redemption of my people. Then came the agony, the shame, the whipping. And God hung on the cross and then nailed him to the tree. And all the devils of hell could jibe at him. From all the parts of the earth, they're mocking and jeering. And Who is this? And he cried there on the cross, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? And maybe in those moments, he said, I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. No. You know, the Romans, they thought as they put the nail in his hand, it started to slam the nail down. They thought that was what hung him on the cross. They said, that'll hold him there. As they crucified your Lord. But it wasn't nails. It was his love for me that nailed him to the tree. Oh, and bore the agony for all my sin. Amen. He said, no, no. I'm willing to do everything. I'm going to go all the way. Nail me to the cross. Whip my back. Put the crown of thorns on my head. Scorn me. Mock me. Put me to shame. Do whatever you can. Give me everything you got, devil. Give me it all. And it's not going to be enough. It's never enough. I'm the king of glory. I'm going to give my all, my everything. And that is what it will take because I'm here to redeem my children. Amen.
He says, I'm going to complete salvation's plan and bring fallen man back to fellowship with me. Amen. I'm so glad he did everything. Every, he didn't hold back just a little bit and say, well, man, I, just, I just cannot do it. He did it. He did it for you. He did it for me. And therefore, therefore, we must do it for him. And so I'm challenging you this morning. He did everything he had to do to save you and I. Everything the devil could throw at him wasn't enough to buy back your soul. So now, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my everything. God's people will do whatever it takes because we're part of him. (laughs) We're part of him, saints. If he had it in him to go every bit of the distance, he's going all the way. If you're part of him, You've got what it takes to go the distance. Every bit of the way, amen? Philippians 3 says, Not as though I have already attained. Ida was already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended for Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count on myself to have apprehended, but this thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. From this day, today, what happened last night at 11.59 p.m., I don't care. I don't care, and neither should you care. This day, this moment, forgetting those things which are behind me, I'm reaching for it. I'm going right ahead of me to those things which are before me. I press toward. I set my face as a flint on the prize. Amen. Of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Set your face. I don't care what's going on. Leave it behind. If you take this scripture every day, everything's behind you all the time. Day by day, it's behind you. Always looking forward. Don't live in rear view mirrors. Don't place a rear view mirror and you're going forward in life, but really you're just looking at your rear view. Everything's behind you all the time. You're living your day in the rear view. Forget it. Paul said, press forward. Forget the behind you. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me, save the Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me. Amen? None of these things move me. I don't know what I got ahead of me. They're saying I have bonds and afflictions, and they do abide me. Whatever. They don't move me. Neither count I life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy. Amen. Amen. Like Paul, we're going to give it all. Esther had to do such. She was in a position where she had to really actually count it all out. And she came to a point where it was uh, life or death, was it not? Haman had laid out his plan. Mordecai urges her to, to do what she needs to do and he says, hey, Esther, if you don't do this, you, think you're not gonna make, you're, you don't think you're going to get scot-free. So here she now has to, must approach the king or his death to all of her people. And so the 13th of Adar was the day that was set. And it could have been a day of mourning and sorrow. But Esther, she had to ponder it out. She fasted. She says, this, this is, you know, you got to put yourself in Esther's shoes. She was going to open a door. And she didn't know whether she was going to be the last moments of her life 
or that her life would continue on. And so she had to go through that crushing in her mind and her spirit. What must I do? And she fasted and she fasted. But she was willing to do everything for her people. And she came out of those days of fasting. And I love the words. And I love Brother Benny Gandhi who sings it. If I perish, I perish. But I'm going before the king. Amen. She was willing to do everything it took. She put it all behind her. She says, whatever. I'm going to lay it all down on the line. I pray that that's where you can get this morning. Whatever it takes. I don't really care. Maybe you've had to have some days. Maybe you have to have a few days of fasting. But may it not be too long where you can say, no, I'm going to be like Esther. I might not have come before the king for a very long time because it had been a span of time. You might have a very cold walk with God right now. You haven't been before the king. You actually haven't really prayed. I got to go before What is God even going to do to me? How's he going to receive my prayer? Say, it don't matter. Lord, I'm coming to you. And she came into that throne room, not knowing. And that scepter was put out to Esther. Oh my, what a relief that would have been. (laughs) But she was in it. She was past wondering. But that scepter came out and says, oh, Esther. If but to half my kingdom. <laughs> yeah, you just go to prayer. I don't care how long it's been. Get into prayer. Say, Lord, I have, I've been delinquent. I, I need a closer walk with you. I'm willing to lay it down right now. Everything's behind me. I'm just going to give it all. I can tell you he's not going to be like off with her head. No. He's going to extend the scepter of love out to you and say, Welcome home, my child. I've been waiting for you to come back home. I sent a word that would grip your heart so that you can lay it down and so that from this day forward, you can give everything you got. You know that Esther went to the throne room again after that? Did you know that? Good. You know, she went back and went through that same process. She had to have the scepter put out towards her again. A few chapters later... You know, she didn't have fasting before that. She knew who she was. She didn't go back into fasting. And, oh, my goodness. Is he going to extend the scepter to me again? Is he going to be welcome me in? Am I, am I, do I got to go through this whole process over again? No. 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 She had reconnected with her king. She had come in communion with her king. And then she came back in that throne room the second time. She just walked in with boldness. Doors wide open. The king is like, oh, oh, Esther, hey, there's my scepter. Welcome into my throne. There was nothing. She knew who she was. She was the queen of Persia. She is the queen of heaven. You don't need to walk in. Oh, is God going to, is he going to hear my prayer? You are the queen of glory. Stand and walk in boldness. Why? Because you have the blood of Jesus that you can enter in with. Amen. You don't need to walk in with fear and trepidation. But I can tell you, before that, you need fellowship with Jesus. Amen. Wow. It's that time. You know, the Seraphonician woman... We know the story so much. There's so many accounts. We go through Jacob as he wrestled with the angel... Did everything he needed to do. He was holding on. He was holding on all night long. Said, I ain't going nowhere. Let me go. I ain't going nowhere until you bless me. We know these things. Seraphonician woman, though, 
is always something I, I've just so, the determination that she had to reach the need, she had to reach Christ to meet her need. And she went through there, and she, she come up, but Abraham says, cutting her way through, days of miracles are past, laugh at you, your husband's going to leave you, going to put you out of the church, what more, called a holy roller, what more. He said she was perseverant. She comes on now and meets up with Jesus and says, oh, now I've got it. I'm in his presence. Oh, I've made it. He, I'm just, I'm just right, right with him now. And here he says, and notice she met up with him and met another disappointment. He says, yeah. He said, I'm not sent to your race. Oh, the very God that she was respecting. And what she give up, her church and everything she had, she'd give it at all. This is Brother Brown. He said she'd give up everything she had. She had a daughter, had epilepsy. She was trying to get to Jesus because she knowed he had healed others. Oh, why couldn't he heal her daughter? So after she had left her everything she had and got to him, and then this disappointment says, I'm not sent to your race. I'm only sent to the children of Israel. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the moment? There she is at the feet she just, whatever she had to do to get there, everything, Brother Branham said, she left it all behind to scorn of the people, her husband leave her, who knows what it is that all went down, she just knew, I have to get to Christ, he is the answer to my son's, my daughter's problem, my child's problem, and she just gave it all, and here she is, and he says, I'm not sent to you, I'm sent to Israel, and he just ignores her, I tell you, what would you do? You know what Brother Abraham says? You know what? That don't stop her faith. Right. <laughs> oh, that's how you know she was a child of God. Something inside her says, mm-mm, she's going to press through. Her face was set like flint. No, no, he's the one I need. She was willing to humble herself to the lowest of the lowest of the lowest. That is where we have to go. You got to get pride out the door. You got to get everything behind you. Well, what did the preacher say about me? I can tell you what. No, 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 no. He called her, if you want to go forward, a dog. That is the lowest in Jewish. A dog. It's, it's, it's the, the way down there at the depths of the bottom. Right? He says, oh, no. She pressed right on again. She addressed him as son of David. He wasn't no son of David to her. But when she said, Lord, that was different. She come in the right way. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Lord, you owe me this. Lord, you owe me that. No, no, no. Lord, have mercy on me. And sometimes, all times, we need to base ourselves to the word of God. Not what our thoughts think about it. Not what our idea is. Well, who does he think he is to tell me that? No, 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 no. If she had said that, she would have walked away and had an epileptic daughter still. That's what would have happened. But she respected and based herself to the word of God and said, you know what she said? He said another thing. He says, you're nothing but a bunch of dogs. I'm not sent to you. Look what that poor little woman had done and the things she went through, everything she had to press to get to him. And then when she got to him, he said, I'm not sent to your race and you're nothing but a bunch of dogs. Oh my, he said, but she was perseverant. Why? She had faith. She said, yes, Lord. Yes, she agreed. Of course she had to agree. He was the word and the word is always right. The word is truth no matter what. She said, yes, 
Lord, I, I'm a dog. Whatever you say, I, I'm there. But even the dogs, they just get that little crumb, just a little bit from the master's table. That's all I need. I, I am whatever you say. The word is true. I am, I, am, I, am, I am a lie. The word's true. But I'll take just that little crumb. I'll just take that, that little bit. That's all I need. And oh, God honored the faith. Says, oh, my goodness. How could he turn away from that? And her daughter was healed from that day. Amen. That's the level that we need to be to press through all of it. How, how low we must go. How whatever the word says, we put ourselves in subjection to and say, hey, Lord, whatever you say. If, 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 I can't even imagine in that moment there as, as he says that you're just like a bunch of dogs to me. Oh, that's humility. Yes. But Lord, I just need a crumb. I just need a little crumb. But Abraham, she wasn't a hybrid. She had thoroughbred strength and grit. As did the thief on the cross. You know, he did everything it took in that moment. Here he was. For whichever reasons, God gave him that time. And his eyes opened to actually recognize who was there. And here he was on a cross. At what state? I don't know. Almost dead. Almost Moments away, minutes away. I don't know where he was. And here he's hanging there trying to keep, get his breath. Very difficult to get your breath as you're on a cross crucified. That's the whole point is to basically suffocate. They die without, as they sag and they can't hold themselves up. It's terrible. And here he was at the worst time that you could imagine. And it would took everything in him to try and get a little bit out. And you might feel that someone might be spiritually just almost at the limit. Right at the very end, you feel, I'm almost, I'm almost lost. I, I just feel like there's, there's no more. I can't go another day if God doesn't, doesn't help me or God doesn't mean me. And he was there on a the cross, and God opened his eyes in that moment, and he did everything that he had. It wasn't, it, he couldn't, it wasn't like he did a lot. All that mattered was some breath, but it was everything he could do to get it. And he pushed himself up, and he said, oh, remember me. That's all he had to say. That's all you need to say. Yeah. Everything that you would need to do is, oh God, remember me. That's all he needed to say. He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. It took everything. He gave it all at the right moment. At the right moment. Amen? Why? Why do these ones in the scripture have the ability to do that? Why? Because inside them, Inside them, God's deposited a seed. <laughs> because again, if God went all the way and achieved what he needed to achieve and gave everything he had, he's placed it inside of you and I. The ability, the drive, the determination, the ability to set our faces like flint and go all the way. Amen. It's because it's the seed that has power inside to do whatever is required to reach the final destination. As we've said in different times, the little blade of grass that could come up and burst forth past uh, the, all the concrete and all that would lay on top of it. And that little blade seeks. Why? Because it's looking for light. And it's, it's the water of the words Brother Brown speaks about. He says you can't hide life. Amen. You can't hide life. If it's inside of you, it's going to burst forth. Amen. The scripture says... 
in Second First Kings, it talks about the uh, Elijah that was just all oh, he was wrestling after Carmel and all these great, you know, these great uh, victories. And he's like, I only am left. You know the scripture? I'm only they seek my life. But you know what Jesus? You know what God said? He says, I have left me seven thousand in Israel. All the knees which would not, would not have bowed to Baal, and every mouth which not have kissed him. And in Romans it said, Paul speaking, he says, Oh, but what saith the answer of God to him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee. I can tell you in that time it was an easy time to live. They were hunted and they were found out. And here they were living in caves and they were, they were, they were all hidden and such. And even Elijah didn't even know all about them. But they were there. They were there, God said, I reserve them. Why? Because he placed something inside of them to not cut, to not bow, to not kiss the image of the God of that day. You know what the God of that day was? It was a sensual God, Baal. You tell me what the God of this day is. You tell me what the God of this day is. God has placed inside of you. He reserved 7,000 in that day. He's reserved a people that will be hidden in the cleft of a rock that is going to come came against the, the gods of this wicked day and they will not kiss the image. They will not bow to the image because inside of them, God has placed a little God particle. He says it's impossible for you to bow. It's impossible for you to kiss the image because inside of you is the same thing that was at the Syrophoenician woman that's going to go everything she's got. It's the same thing in you that was in Naaman that said, oh, do I got to go all the way? Yeah, he did all the way. Seven times he had to go. You're willing to go every inch of the way. Amen. You're God's elite. You're God's elite. I'm going to close. Musicians can make your way. You know, there's a, we all know the elite armies of the day. And we have these different battalions or whatever groups that are the mightiest, the SAS and all these things, they're the elite of the world, the elite warriors of the world. You know, so these, the Navy SEALs, they're one of these top elites. And they go through what's called Hell Week, week four of their training, Hell Week. I wonder if we're in what would we consider this age when death rides, that fourth SEAL. And here we are, they train super incredibly to try and get through. 200 miles a day, in, in, they, they run 200 miles in just one week. They sleep for four hours, 20 hours of physical training. But, you know, whatever they all go through to get there, one thing defines everybody that goes through the training. And they have what they, they have that hangs in the main square of the main training area or the gathering area, it's a big bell, and it hangs there. It's a big bell, and it sits in front of everybody. And if you want to quit, you have to go to the bell, and you have to ring it three times. Bang, bang, bang. And you place your hat, training army hat, on the ground, and you walk off, and you've quit. And as the training goes, hat upon hat, Gets added, and the bell 
continues to get wrung. And up to 80 plus percent ring the bell. But one fellow said the one thing that defines everybody that goes through SEAL training is that they didn't ring the bell. They didn't quit. It, it wasn't, it, so while it was important to be physically fit and all the training that you have to go through, you find out though quickly, he says, your background, your social status, your race, none of this matters. The only thing that matters is that you go in with purpose in mind and this, that you are just not going to quit no matter what happens. <laughs> you know? And there they are, these are natural elites that have something inside of them to, to willing to go all the way. They just have, they've, something is there. It, it's, it, their makeup is a little bit different. Willing to go no matter what. Now how difficult, and it's difficult, to where they're dragging their carcasses somehow or their buddy is dragging them somehow just so they can get across the line for the day. It's grueling, it's difficult, but something inside of them, it just won't allow them to drag themselves up as much as somehow the battle in the mind. Just go ring the bell. No, I can't ring the bell. Just go ring the bell. If you just put your hat down there, it's all over. The pain is gone. The agony, it disappears. You can be free of this wretched hell week and just go home. Ever had that mind battle? Just throw in the towel. You can't do this no longer. You think you've got another day left? You can't do it. But something inside of you Something inside of you because you're God's elite in this day and age. And there's some God particle inside that just drives you on. I just can't ring that bell. It's impossible for me to throw in the towel. Why? Because you're God's. He has dropped inside of you a seed that is going to grow and manifest in this day exactly what God wants. Say, oh God, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. Well, humanity goes through some crazy things. People have dragged themselves through wicked situations, broken bone situations for miles and miles. The human, the, the natural being has something inside. Some people, one fella fell 75 feet, shattered his hip, his femur, and dragged himself for, for eight miles through creeks, through streams, just to get to a little home. They get shattered body. I don't even know how he did it. Something inside this guy. He had a determination. He had whatever you want to call it, inner strength, inner grit, inner determination. I don't care. He had it. That's natural. There is something inside a believer. I don't know what you want to call it, but I call it God. I call it a seed of God that is planted inside of you that your face is set like flint. And you say, I don't care. Whatever it takes, I'm going to go and see my king. Amen. Amen. They say, well, these different ones, they say they shouldn't be alive. Well, spiritually, maybe some of you think, well, I just shouldn't be alive spiritually. But you are. You are, you're here, you're still fighting because God placed it in you. It's not I that runneth, but him. May I say, you know, they have a SEAL Team 6. You know that? They're the special ones. We have SEAL Team, indeed. May I say SEAL Team 7 that will overthrow this wicked generation. Amen. I pray today we got fathers. I pray we get mommies, we get children, I don't care teenagers, I don't care who it is. We need a resolve inside that we would set our face as a flint on the word of God. No matter what goes on in this day and age, 
do not lose your vision of Jesus. Amen. And you say, Lord, this morning, I'm willing. I'm willing. You did it for me. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I don't know what that looks like. You know what that looks like. I don't know the battle you go through. I don't know where you're at in your life. You come, you sit in church. Some have been here many, many, many years. Some just recently. I don't know. But whatever you do, I say don't leave the service this morning until you have resolved in your heart. You have gone through those, those moments of fasting and prayer that Esther did. And she says, I'm willing. And I'm going. Whether it's death or whether it's life, I'm doing it all. And may you come to this point. And I wonder if we actually want him as much as he wanted us. He was willing to do it all. I said, Lord, may I show in my life every aspect of it that I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And the song that I pondered, many that I, that I love, the songwriter wrote it down. It says, there's a voice calling me from an old rugged tree. And it whispers, draw closer to me. I said, Jesus, it's calling this morning. And he's whispering to each one of you this morning. I pray you could just take a moment and actually just quiet yourself and say, Lord. Because he whispers in a still, small voice. And the songwriter penned down, it whispers to me. Leave this world far behind. There are new heights to climb. He's willing. He's desiring. He wants to take you further or deeper in him. But he's saying, I'm whispering to you. But are you willing to do what it takes? The verses say, take my houses and land, change my dreams and all my plans. You know, I've had that happen to me. My dreams and my plans really got changed. Because it's my desire to do whatever it takes. For placing my life in your hands, let disappointments come. Lonely days without the sun. If through sorrow, more like you, I become. I'd like to sing that this morning more like a prayer. As we would maybe just personally just bring ourselves right into just our own little room. As maybe Esther did as she pondered. And I'd like you to ponder this morning and say, Lord, am I doing and am I willing to do whatever it takes this morning? Why don't we bow our heads this morning? If that's where you are this morning, I know this is Sunday morning. I'm not a Sunday morning preacher. I'm just preaching the word of God out of a burden for your souls. This church, as you see the signs up on these boards, been here 50 years. But I pray that nobody's just been here 50 years just 
putting time in. God's saying this morning, I want a closer walk with you. Set your face this morning like a flint. And whatever it takes, as the song says, for my will to break, that's what I'm willing to do. Maybe somebody here this morning, they say, Lord, in my heart, I'm just going to, I want to let you know, however it would be, that's what I'm willing to do this morning. Take the dearest things to me, if that's how it must be, just to draw me closer to you. It says, if you call me today to a land far away, Lord, I'll go. And your will, I'll obey. If that's your desire tonight, Lord, you just raise your hand. We'll have prayer this morning. You know, sometimes you say, Lord, what does it take? Break through the stony hearts. Blake, break through the pride, break through so that, Lord, our will is your will, Lord. Heavenly Father, this morning, broken up. And Lord, the burden in my heart is that, Lord, you're, you would be able to come. You would speak to your people. And, Lord, we'd all come to a place that we just want to do the will of Almighty God in our lives, Lord, and whatever you require of us, Lord. No matter what the situation, if it's a Syrophoenician who is seemingly, Lord, ignored, but Lord, willing to go all the way, Lord, that we would subject ourselves to the very word of God. That's what, Lord, we're willing to do. Lord, I pray this morning you tug on the hearts of your people. Lord, many here, Lord, fervent wars of the kingdom. Lord, I pray our resolve, Lord, as we go through these times, these days ahead of us, Lord, it just gets wickeder and wickeder. But Lord, we have indeed set our face, Lord, to do whatever it takes. Lord, we have resolved no longer to linger. And Lord, what a, what a strength it is to see different ones, Lord, in our congregation that have been doing that over the years, Lord. And Lord, we can look at them as young people and younger families. We can look to different ones that are in the congregation that have indeed set their face like flint, Lord. And we can be strengthened by their walk with God. But Lord, may the younger generations, Lord, that raise up, the, our children, Lord, can see this and Lord, not get caught up in the times and the age, but they also would have the same resolve, the same desire, the same passion for the kingdom of God I pray Lord may you drop in their little heart Lord that they could have a communion and fellowship like Job did with you so that Lord no matter what comes no matter what difficulty no matter what circumstance our faith Lord is in you not in the circumstances around us but we believe in the God that Lord can carry us through the waves and the difficulties of life we pray so Lord may we may we just end this little service Lord, just maybe in a bit more of a pondering atmosphere as, Lord, we each one would say, Lord, I'm willing, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing that just together now as a prayer. That's what I'm willing to do.
Sent out a missions 
he sends a little update on Mondays. And in one of the lines there was one of the brothers, different ones were going out into the different areas of Uganda, I believe it was. And it just said, they're going into the areas where people eat people. I thought, why? That's somebody that's doing whatever it takes. These are our brothers and sisters that are carrying this gospel because they have a drive inside of them to get the word out, no matter what. I pray this morning we could sit in a nice, cushy building, cushion chairs. Somebody is out there holding the word of God, taking maybe one little message book that he has, and he's preaching the message of the hour in a cannibalistic area of the world. He said, that shouldn't even exist. It still does. I said, Lord, this morning, we can go out burdened to do whatever we need to do in our area to project the gospel. Or if it's just in your own walk, whatever you got to do, do it. Break my will, God. Break my desires. Whatever it takes. Like I said, it's easier said than done, saints. But may you come to that point. Say, Lord, I don't care. Your will is all that matters to me. Do we know the song that Orion for what earthly reason? I sang this just as we were, just as I was coming earlier today. As we close, I just maybe sing, we'll just have this on our hearts, the song, the chorus. I was the reason. As we said, he did everything. I was the guilty. He was a sacrifice. I was a taker. Oh, there's a lot of takers in this world. He's the giver. Dying while I go free. But that one earthly reason, it's me. Oh, it became so personal this morning. I said, oh God, you did it all just for me. Surely I can lay it down for you. I don't know, maybe you don't even know this song, but you can just sing it with me. We know the verses, but Ryan, you can sing it with me. I know a little bit. For what earthly reason would the heavenly Father send down His Son to suffer rejection and pay for crimes He had not?
to bring condemnation but to actually you can walk out of here feeling the impact of his love for you because that's what it is because he loved you so it constrained him to come from glory because of you Heavenly Father Lord I sat there in my little chair Lord, just the reality of how personal a relationship you desire when we can bring it right down to just me. I was the reason. Lord, in my mind, I had to push away so many other thoughts and names and people through the ages that you died for. But Lord, it had to be personal. You did it for me. 
I was guilty, but you're the sacrifice. I was the taker, but you were willing to give everything you had, Lord. Lord, I pray this morning that, Lord, if anything, your love would be projected to your people. That, Lord, it would just become that much more real to them. That, Lord, then we could, Lord, out of our love for you, lay everything down at your feet. That we might, Lord, walk these last moments of time with our eyes set like flint on the word of God in this day. So, Lord, I commit your people that we would go from here, our hearts, Lord, pondering on our love, Lord, and your love for us. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. 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 God bless you, the saints. May the Lord go with you this week. May as you walk out, say, you know, Lord, I want a fellowship with you like Job. A communion with you like Job. That no matter the circumstance, he has confidence in you. He has confidence in you. I heard a service just recently. And the, it was actually about Abisco. He says, you know, we talk about a lot of us believing in God because you know God believes in you <laughs> he believes in you you know sometimes it's but Ed said he said you need to hear that sometimes you, know, you might go through a difficult day you might have actually failed you made a mistake you could go on a game or something like that and you just made a big mistake but Herbisco said you know the coach comes up to you and he says it's okay I believe in you you can do this next time and he said God does that he believes in you he believes in you he's placed his word in you and he believes in his word and so with his word in you you are more than conquerors amen God bless you this morning as you go you can shake hands with one another you can just sing this song again as a prayer to him Lord I was the reason I was the reason